Do you need a financial plan to thrive? My base case is yes, you need a financial plan. But that does not mean you definitely need a planner. Okay, it's a little bit different. Uh, but the general idea is you want to have something that is very tangible. You want to have a game plan where you know what to do, how much to get, especially when, you know, things are extremely dynamic in modern day. Um, there's so many things you want to do, so many new experiences. And every time you experience something, you want to change your goals. So all those kind of stuff. And it's... It's actually not that foreign to plan for things. We do a lot of planning in other aspects of life, like career planning, right? When we're in the university or when we join a big corporation, uh, we plan our kids' education path. We plan a lot of different things. But then why don't we have a financial plan? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So of course, a plan is not definitely something that you follow through all the way, but it is a good basis to start with. And I proclaim life as your biggest project. So if life is your biggest project, you should have a financial plan to achieve different goals in your life. And what does it constitute a good financial plan? That is what we're going to talk about today because after interviewing so many people, I have some thoughts that actually it only revolves around three big processes. And if you get these three right, is going to increase your success rate. So welcome back, Coconuts. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today, we're going to spend some time to talk about the three core processes of financial planning. Period. Okay, I've interviewed so many people. Everybody's talking about all these different things, but generally they fall into these three main cluster. So these three processes will help you get a general good idea as to what do you need to do. So I think many people have uh, shared sufficient story about financial planning, okay? So financial planning is not financial advices and not wealth advices and all those kind of stuff. Okay? Financial planning is essentially just having a plan, having a strategy to go about achieving your goal. But for a lot of people, they do engage financial planners and they do engage wealth advisory to help them in this process. That All that being said, I will not go deeper into all the horror stories out there. Um, I think... There are already a lot of talk out there about financial planners in general. But that is not to say that all of them are evil. In fact, I personally believe that many of them are great individuals. Whether or not are they great planners and whether can they serve my needs, that's a different question. But I don't think they are like evil vampire trying to eat you, okay? So that, that's not the case. But I do have some qualms about the general financial planning space that I want to put out, okay? And one of it is that there's a very heavy sales-driven incentive system. So what does that mean? Because most of the financial planners here today, they are paid on a commission from the amount amount of products that you purchase. So while not everybody wants to sell you more than what you need, the moral dilemma is actively at play because, you know, the more you buy, the more they actually make. So for me, I find it problematic because uh, 
like I've pointed out, financial plan is a strategy, uh, not a repertoire of financial products. Okay, and I will go deeper on this discussion as we go along. Most importantly is to know that I'm generally uncomfortable with the current incentive system. And the other thing to note is that most of these financial planners out there are sales trained. So when you talk to them about their product, they're amazing. They know everything about their product inside out. They take licenses, they take exams. So there's no lack of knowledge about their product. But generally what I observe is there's a general lack of knowledge around financial markets, economic factors, and in general, very weak about what is going on in the broader financial world. Uh, my basis, I believe, is they rely heavily on their agency's research. And also because day in, day out, they're just doing a lot of sales activities. It's very hard to be um, learning and learning about all these geeky financial stuff. Uh, but I do think that if you want to be a great financial planner, which I know a lot of you are listening into, then you have to be able to understand deep financial knowledge, understand concepts, be aware of global trends, and be able to then present all these ideas to your clients to give them accurate advice um, and create a better plan for them. Okay, I do realize that that sounded like um, everybody listening is a financial planner. <laughs> which is not the truth but there are a lot of financial planners listening in to the podcast which is a testimony to the podcast which is great but for everyone I think today what I'm trying to go through with you is understand what are the major processes in developing a plan and recognize that actually you can also do it yourself if you want to do it but my base case like many other things that I talk about it's not about DIY but really about knowing enough to pick someone that can do for you as a profession okay so whatever way you're gonna do I think there are three main processes after interviewing all these people and I'm just going to get down to it. And the very first process of financial planning is setting goals and stretch goals. Of course, we can talk a little bit more about what are the differences between goals and stretch goals as we go along. But the general idea is you must have a target, lah, right? Because all the kind of plan, whether you're planning a project, you're planning a career, you're planning education, whatever plan you want to plan, you need to have a goal. Right, so this is something that I think it's uh, you know really under discussed in the financial world. Everybody is talking about how to invest lah, you know how to save more money lah, how to reduce your debt lah, how to get cheap deal here, and all these kind of stuff. But the main thing that you're trying to achieve are your goals. So the very first step is not to find a financial planner or go and read all these blogs like. Um, what many people are doing essentially but the idea is to sit down and ask yourself what do you actually want why I think this is extremely important because whether or not you're going to be DIYing your plan through reading all these different content, listening to podcasts, or whether or not you're going to find financial planners to help you do a professionally done one, whatever it is, if you do not know what you want, you become extremely susceptible to suggestions. Okay, let me paint you a little bit of picture, okay? So it's kind of like going to a cake shop. I'm sure everybody loves to go cake shop, okay? Or you like to go cafe, okay? I like lah, right? If you follow our socials, you will see me going to a lot of cafes, okay? But the idea is when you go to a cake shop and you know that you want cake, okay? But you don't know what you want exactly, right? You just know that you want cake. That's why you're at the cake shop, ma, right? So you go to ask the seller. It's like, wait, hey, what's your best seller? And the person will tell you, hey, ma, our best seller is a strawberry shortcake. But actually, deep down the corner of your eyes, you are eyeing on the Mont Blanc, right? The chestnut, amazing, beautiful cake that you don't get everywhere. And it's a little bit exotic. Deep down, you kind of want the person to say that is the best seller. But actually, the price tag over there already put that the best seller is strawberry shortcake. Then you stuck, right? Because... 
this is what you want, but that is what they tell you is the best. Then you're trying to take the advice, but then after that, you come here, then you say, hey, actually, what do I want? Very messy, right? That's the idea. Because if you don't know what you want, you end up becoming in this state of choice paralysis. So not knowing what you want can generally be way worse than knowing that this thing that you want is very hard to achieve. Because if you know that this thing that you want to go about getting is very hard to achieve, then okay, maybe you can change your goals or try to use a better strategy and, and whatnot, right? To try to achieve that thing. But if you don't know what you want, then what are you aiming for? You don't need to bother about planning anything if you don't even know what is the kind of life that you're pursuing. Which is why I always say that if you have not sorted out how you want to live your life, you don't need to subscribe to long-term financial products. You don't need to do very comprehensive financial plan until you sit down and ask yourself, what do you want? So in your early days of your life, better ask yourself what you want. Try to experience different things and you know, try to see and envision what is the life that you can enjoy and love. And even if you're now in your mid-career and you know, you're asking yourself, why am I doing all this every day? Actually, I don't like it, right? But at least now you know you don't want those things. So, you know, sit down, review what are your goals. That is very, very important. So I'm sure somewhere, somehow, somewhat, right, there are some sort of goal-setting things that you've heard somewhere and I will not go into all those stuff, but I did sit down and ask myself, hey, what is the process that I go through while determining if this is something I want to add to my life or if this is a goal that I'm trying to pursue in my life? Okay, and the first step is imagination from observation. There are many things out there that people are doing. People are trying to buy a house, get a car, you know, set up a family, go for a vacation, you know, set up a social cause, participate in this, do that, whatever. A lot of things that people are doing and you may not be a first person, but you're observing. So while you're observing and you're experiencing that on the sides, these are all the imagination process. Oh, you'll be like, oh, maybe if I get that house, it will you know, make my life better. Maybe if I do that, it will make my life better. It's okay, just imagine, right? And write down all this imagination. It can range from wedding, honeymoon, kids, careers, retirement, whatever, okay? All these things people are already doing. If people are not doing all these things, then you are considered a visionary, okay? Then this podcast is not for you. <laughs> but but if you know <laughs> but yes so generally you can observe for imagination and the next thing after you look at all these things potentially it's your thing you write them down on a list next thing you do is to test your imagination on a smaller scale Okay, what does that mean? Maybe like retirement, okay? Many people have this imaginary idea that this is how I want to retire. I want to do this, this, this every day. I want to go out here, travel there. I want to make 10,000, blah, blah, blah. Amazing, huh? Amazing thing is people have not lived on $10,000 a month paycheck and they believe that in their retirement, they need $10,000 to actually live a comfortable life. I don't know where this magical number came from, but there must be some sort of magic there, okay? Uh, but how I see it is... There are only small little things that you want to do that you think like, oh, when I retire, I will do all these things. Or when I'm on a long break, I'll do all these things. Why not you bring all these things ahead? Right? So you can size them down. Instead of every day, maybe you do it on the weekends. Instead of uh, waiting 30 years, you can actually take like two months break and try to live that life and test it to see if this is, hey, if I want to live this life. So after you test it, you get some sort of basis to work with. right? Then it becomes a little bit clearer as to whether you want. So it's a lot about testing and tinkering on a smaller scale. Personally, for me, my best example is owning a house. So I used to think that, hey, I want a house with a very big house or at least... A 
house with a pool downstairs, convenient for me. I can swim whatever I want. I can go and gym and then I can come back up while I'm very shook, very comfortable. You know, but actually I've not lived a life like that ever, right? So it's just an imagination. But when I was staying in KL, that was the exact life I had. Downstairs was a shopping centre. Starbucks, Uniqlo, everything. On level 8, is a swimming pool. I have a gym. I live on level 26, okay? And... That was the life that I wanted or I thought I wanted. I managed to achieve it not here in Singapore, but I managed to achieve it elsewhere. I'm saying that you can also try achieving it elsewhere first. But back to the story. After I lived there, I realised that actually I don't really need the swimming pool to be downstairs. I'm perfectly happy to go to a swimming club in the central part of town and I don't really need a gym downstairs because uh, the gym is not big enough and I don't really want a gym every day. I want to try different, different things so maybe classes are better for me and what I really wanted was low density. I like the place because there are not a lot of people. It's a little bit out of town and yeah, I need my space. When I lived there, I was alone so I had a lot of my space. I can do my own thing. Nobody's disturbing me and I don't actually need the pool. So if you think about in this testing process that I had, trying to lift out that imagination that I thought I would love, that I thought like I work very hard, I get a condo with swimming pool, I will live the amazing life. Turns out I don't really need it. So now my goal for housing becomes a little bit different. I want to go for places with lower density, big enough space for me to do stupid things in my own house, and you know, near a town area which has quirky little cafes and you know, general nice vibes. So in that sense. If we translate into Singapore, I will not be staying somewhere in town, right? I will probably be staying like in the Katong area or somewhere in the suburban parts of, I don't know, I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, give me some ideas, okay? If you have some ideas, where should I stay? Let me know. But that's the idea. When you tinker, you test on a smaller scale you get a lot more clarity and then you can ask yourself, is this the life I want? And if that is the life you want, that is your goal. And then you go and fight for it. So that is kind of where my housing goals have changed, right? So after that, you sit down and you paint the goals, right? So you test already, you ask yourself, okay, this is what I want. I'm going to paint the goals now. So when I paint the goals, I essentially cost everything up. How much does it cost to do this? Can I do it here? If I cannot do it here, can I do it in Chiang Mai? Can I do it in Bali? Can I do it anywhere? Actually, the beauty is you can really live anywhere. That is the future of the world. You should open up your minds and don't just think of staying on this little island. So after that, you realize that, okay, these are your priority goals. These are what you definitely want to achieve. But then you can have stretch goals. So for me, like I said, for housing, I want something that is like uh, low density, not a lot of people around, very nice, cozy, quirky environment. But I don't mind having a swimming pool. So if I have the financial ability to do it, I will go for that thing with a swimming pool. So you get the idea, goals and stretch goals. Goals are the things you're fighting for. Stretch goals are if you hit your goals, hey, let's go for the stretch goals. And you don't actually need it per se, like a Kickstarter project, okay? You don't need stretch goals per se. You fundamentally need goals. But if you already have some thoughts about what are your stretch goals, go for it. So I believe this process of imagination, testing, and then painting the goals, costing them up, uh, gives you a much clearer idea to know what you want and forms the basis of your planning. Because once you have clear goals, uh, it's a lot about refining and evolving those goals as you pick up new experiences in your life. Maybe at first you thought you want two kids, but then after the first kid, you tell yourself, enough! Ah, something like that. <laughs> 
Or you want you thought in your imagination, you want three houses, one for yourself, one for your family, and one for your retirement. But after you bought the first house, you had enough. You think like what beta han already. Okay, then you adjust your goals. But the idea is the goals generally don't change a lot. Okay, it's a lot about evolving. After you test it, after you go through a little bit of testing. You cement it, your goals will evolve over time as you pick up new experiences, but they don't change drastically, okay? So set those goals. That is the number one step of the process. Extremely important. The number two step of the process of financial planning is... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Evaluating your resources and cost of goals with time okay sounds a bit complicated like essentially setting up a strategy okay and we will talk about this after a word from our sponsor so this is the big bulky part of financial planning financial discussion financial media okay all the strategies like whether index investing like 50 50 foreign local um, buy bonds uh, to kind of balance out your portfolio reduce volatility uh, go for growth stocks uh, you know buy endowment plan uh, you know do this like good side house or whatever all the kind of discussion that we have and everyone else is having really is trying to answer this middle part of what is your resource what is the cost of your goals and how to achieve it. So the strategy is the endless discussion. Okay, so I will not go into everything because like the amazing word that people always use, amazing phrase that people always use, this is case by case. And we have explored a lot of these different ways to go about doing this. But I'm going to share with you some best practices so the first thing is definitely to cost up your goals. These days, I think it's a lot easier to cost these things because of a lot of comparison websites. Uh, there are prices tagged everywhere. It's not like in the past where information is a little bit more secret. You know, you don't know how much your neighbors sell their property and all this kind of stuff. These days, it's very easy. A lot of comparison websites. You can look for all the professionals or mortgage brokers, your financial planners. They can help you along with a lot of this kind of information. You don't need to feel guilty, right? Because they are there to help you. Uh, don't to buy something if you don't need to, okay? Don't buy say, buy say, and I'm going to buy. But definitely cost out your goals so that you get a clearer idea how much you actually need. Next thing you should do is to determine if you can already achieve these goals. If something is you know, easy to achieve at this moment in time. That means you have sufficient uh, resources to achieve it. Then you don't really need an extensive plan. You don't need a complex plan to achieve it. You can do it now, right? Or you can buy now. You can, you know, it's up to you. You you have the resources to do it. It's not a problem anymore. You don't really need a plan. Just go and do your goals, okay? Do your life. And in general, I think for a lot of people, um, it may be a little bit of a stretch. Like, you have a few goals that you want to achieve and you don't want to overcommit to one goal and compromise your chances of achieving the others. I get it. This is a little bit of a mathematical portion already. But I honestly think you don't want to have too many goals on hand at the same time. Maybe three is a good gauge. So the usual trio is like retirement, housing and one other. 
<laughs> in modern day Singapore, right? Retirement, housing, and one other are the three financial goals. The one other can be marriage. After marriage, become kids. After kids, become second kid, right? So generally, that's the idea. You don't naturally need to follow this process, but the idea is uh, ask yourself if you have already enough to achieve the goals, and if not, you need a plan. So then the next part will be to evaluate your resources with reference to time. So you cost up your goals and you realize that you don't have enough. So then you ask yourself, what resources do I have? Generally, all the resources that you have falls into two camps. Camp number one is labor. Camp number two is capital. So labor essentially is your income from working a job or multiple jobs. And you can easily make projections of your total income from labor if you have a stable career, uh, factoring, stable increment. It's not that difficult. A little bit of math, okay? But for a lot of people in the gig economy that are doing things that are a little bit ad hoc you know, on the side, then uh, it's a bit hard to project. But in general, you can still project yearly, yearly. That means if every month you make 5,000, your yearly projection will be 60,000, right? And based on that, you can really kind of have some sort of mathematical calculation to ask yourself, how long do I need to buy that house? How long do I need to prep for retirement? How long do I need to get married? And all those kind of things. It's not that difficult. I'm sure a lot of you already do this. Um, the other part is the capital part, okay? So this is the part that a lot of people talk about and we've also talked about, I'm not going to talk any more about it here, but capital essentially, how do you use that money to make more money, right? All the different strategies, okay? So these two things are the two camps of your resources, labor and capital. And you can factor time into this thing to have a better idea as to when you can achieve those goals, okay? So these three kind of form the basis of setting up a strategy. But of course, if you want to level up things a little bit, right, which is to make it a little bit more realistic, you want to attach inflation percentage to the cost of your goals. Because the goals today may be 500000 but in 10 years' time, maybe that same house will be 600000 already. So you want to cost it up and kind of see what is the inflation value there and also attach a reasonable time for projections to achieve your goals based on the resources that you have. Okay, because although you cannot do it now, you can do it into the future. If things don't look achievable at all, it's either your math very jalat, which is not impossible, uh, or you might want to entertain three things. And these three things are change your goals, figure a better labor strategy. That means you either change sector, try to get promoted, you know, do some side income, whatever, or generate better capital gains. These are very much the three things that people can do. Change your goals, figure a better labor strategy, or generate better capital gains. That's about it. Right? So all the other things that people talk about just kind of, you know, is the nitty-gritty and the big black hole of strategy. So the best way forward for everybody is to do some sort of Excel modeling, okay? I will see if we have the capacity to create a calculator for you. But the idea is you try to do these projections and get a clearer idea to achieve or determine whether you can achieve the goal. So this is the big black part, setting up a strategy. And you probably should have... Um, heard of all these different strategies and check out all the other podcasts for all the different ways uh, people are doing to try to maximize their life and you know uh, find the life they love and, and all those kind of stuff okay so so that's the part and uh, pretty much sums up point number two which brings me to point number three after you set your goals after you determine your strategy point number three is managing your risk factors 
And to be more exact is to manage your downside risk, okay? And we've talked about this in the earlier episodes. Check out the earlier episodes about risk management. But a quick recap, man, there are three ways to manage downside risk factors. Number one is risk avoidance. Number two is risk transfer. Number three is risk reduction. So by now, you should realize that all personal finance strategies are linked to two big camps, labor income and capital gains. That is the broader system in the capitalist world, right? So after you set your goals, after you set out your strategy, you evaluate your resources and all this kind of stuff, you link back to these two things of labor income and capital gains, whether these two things can lead to you achieving your goals. And based on that, you then manage the risk factors of labor income and capital gains. So we're going to start with labor income. So this is where your critical illness, disability, death insurance, they all come in here. All of these insurance policies are aimed at doing one thing, protecting your labour income. Because under normal circumstances, over the next 5 years, 10 years, maybe 15 years, these days things change a lot. But at least over the next 10 years, whatever money you're making can be easily projected if you are in a fixed career. So that is your labour income. But if something happened to you, you know, in the course of your work and you lose your income-making ability, this insurance will cover you and that's why they are managing that risk factor you are transferring the risk of loss of labor income to the financial companies to these insurance companies okay so that's all they're supposed to do they're not supposed to make you rich huh? so to make it clear when you buy these insurances they are here to manage the risk in the event that you lose your labor income and that will then impede your strategy to achieve the goals that you want see the link ah now link sweet sweet yeah so never ever go into a financial planning session and talk about products and products and products and products. Products is the last thing you want to talk about. Insurance products are risk management tools and that's the last thing you want to talk about. Talk about your goals, talk about strategies, then we talk about this. And the next thing is capital gains, right? So we've talked about this uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, 50-50, 60-40, foreign ownership, you know, uh, whatever. Like, a lot of things talk about here. And the main thing that people talk about when it comes to risk management of capital gains is diversification. Okay, that's the main thing, right? You diversify, then you don't have concentration risk, you perform aligned with the market, and yada, yada, yada. That one, I will not talk about it. We've talked about it a lot. Okay, but these are supposedly the best investing practices. Um, so think about it, see if it works for you. And the last scenario where a lot of people would want to manage risk will be uh, in the event of major capital outflow, right? So in Singapore per se, that would be like long-term hospitalization, fire or total asset loss. And, and that's about it. And why I say Singapore per se, because Singapore don't have universal health care, right? So you have to pay for your own hospital fees and all those kind of stuff. If you're in the UK, there's universal health care. You don't even need to care about hospitalization. Right, so different countries are a little bit different, and uh, okay, maybe not a little bit, very different. So you want to look at your current situation. But the idea is to mitigate all these situations where there's major capital outflow that will impede your strategy, that will impede your goals. And that pretty much sums up the core processes of uh, financial planning, right? So it's not just about buying a financial product. It's not just about, you know, maximizing your investments. Or it's not even about, you know, just eating rice and beans and fire and all those kind of things. All those things are just part and parcel of a financial plan. And I'm going to sum up today the three core processes of financial planning, period. Number one is setting up your goals and stretch goals. And you must know what you are fighting for 
before. If not, if you don't aim, you hit anything and you hit everything, okay? All sorts of random stuff. Number two is then decide what is the strategy for you. And in this process, generally, you want to look at your resources with reference to time. And the two major resources are labor and capital because you're in a financial world, capitalistic society, okay? And number three is then manage your risk. So if you can set your goals, you can have a clear plan what to do, and then you can manage your risk generally you're off to good start and that is the core idea of financial planning so i hope you learned something useful today see ya hey i hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting my share debated and discussed join our community telegram group follow us on our socials Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts you want to share or know someone you want to hear from more, reach out to us through hello at financialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, sustainable for all. That was a long episode and I tried very hard to squeeze everything into one episode. Uh, I hope you learned some good stuff in general. I think these are the three main ideas. Everyone else is just trying to tell you, you know, how to refine this, how to reduce that, how to optimize these. You know, that's generally, that's all it is, right? This is the core idea of financial planning. Goal, strategy, and then risk management. That's it. Uh, and yes, later this week, uh, we're going to kickstart our series with Providence. So we did a series with Providence. If you don't know, Providence is the Singapore's first fee-only wealth management company. Right? So they came on to do a four-part series with us and we're going to talk about young family planning because most of you guys are just in the early days of setting up your family or entertaining this idea of setting up a family and that is the first episode uh, later this week. Next week, we're going to spend some time to talk about the power of retirement or the power of mini retirement uh, because that is what I'm going to be talking to Provident uh, following week. <laughs> so yes, next we're going to talk about the power of mini retirement. I think there is a little bit of difference between taking a long holiday and embracing a mini retirement. And I personally think that we are going to fundamentally change the way we live. We are no longer going to be having one retirement. So how do we then better do mini retirement and what are the benefits of doing mini retirement that's what i'm talking about next week so yep stay tuned and you know help us grow share this like this you know follow us on our socials we have a lot of new shows you know go to our youtube and support us thank you see you guys Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 